This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. And the fact that Christianity itself revolves around the bloodletting on the cross. For without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. Christianity would not have any power if it were just for the death only of Jesus without the resurrection. You see, resurrection is essential to Christianity. And uh, there have been many fables that deny the resurrection, the stolen body fable, uh, the did he really die fable, the they went to the wrong tomb fable, and we're going to talk about those in a few minutes. But uh, there are facts, however, that support the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Scholars, even atheists who are honest in their research, admit that the claims of the resurrection are very, very powerful. And and in fact, they give overwhelming evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Think about it. There is an empty tomb. It's empty. Think of the effects on the lives of the disciples. The very fact that Christianity exists is the largest religion in the world today. See, the the resurrection is essential to living life, not only eternally, but living life now. Living in the, a good life now. And uh, I know that there's a lot of opinions out there concerning how people get to heaven. We seem to get more and more opinions all the time, how we get to heaven. and uh, We have a lot of opinions about the resurrection as well. About, you know, this, is Jesus really the Son of God? Or There's, 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 there's lots of questions that we're throwing out. We, we seem to have gone intellectually crazy uh, on some things. But as Christians today, it's the day that you and I celebrate and we remember the resurrection of Jesus, the Christ, and his victory over death that he won for all of those who would believe in him as the Son of God. And he did come in the flesh. But not everybody believes. Uh, Even the apostles didn't believe at first. In fact, in Luke chapter 24, the Bible says this. It says that on the first of the Sabbaths, Well, still very early, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And going in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus, and they were much perplexed about it. It happened that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed their faces down to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. And They remembered his words, and they returned from the tomb, and they told these things to the eleven and, and the rest. It was, it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the rest of them that, who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to be like foolishness, and they did not believe them. And Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and he stooped down, and he saw the linens lying alone. 
And he went away wondering to himself as to what had happened. Eventually, the apostles did end up believing. And, uh, but but my, my question today is, why should people believe in the resurrection? Why, why, why should I believe in Christ as being the only way to heaven? And even for those of us who are Christians, do we have to really believe in the resurrection to be a Christian? Is the resurrection of Jesus really that important? I mean, I've never seen anybody in my lifetime die, be buried for three days and come back to life. Have you? You see, for people today, the resurrection may be hard for them to believe. In fact, there was a recent television program on the History Channel called The, the Lost Tomb of Jesus. Somewhere in Jerusalem, they found a tomb that had some bones in an ossuary, and they tried to make a case for this being the bones of Jesus, showing that he never really did rise from the dead. There was a man who claimed to be a Christian, and he said, well, it really didn't matter if they found the bones of Jesus or not, or that he really did or did not rise from the dead. Well, is that true? Does it matter? To Christianity, if Jesus really did or did not raise from the dead? Does it really matter to the believer when it comes to living the fullness of the Christ life and the Christian life if Jesus is one who was raised from the dead or not? Is it really necessary? Well, I have to tell you something. It is. Jesus is the Christ. The Christ. Which simply means that he is the anointed Son of God, the anointed Son of God. He is the Messiah. As such, he has a singular place in the life of every believer. It means that we recognize him as our king. We recognize him as the Son of God. We recognize him as God who came in the flesh. There are beliefs that are essential to true Christianity. And failure to believe in these things is failure to believe the basic tenets of Christianity. So I'm asking the question, is the resurrection essential, and what is there to support that this evidence or this event really did occur? Is there evidence? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says this, the apostle Paul writes, and he's writing about the resurrection, he's writing about Jesus, he says, and brothers, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you have received and which you stand, by which also you are being kept safe, if you hold fast the word which we preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which also I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, and then by the twelve. Afterward, he was seen by over 500 brothers at once, of whom the greater part remain until this present day. But also some fell asleep. Afterward, he was seen by James and then by all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of time. You see, Paul's telling us that the resurrection is an essential part of Christianity. He says that 
Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was, rose again, according to the scriptures. He reminds us that, and he reminds the Corinthians that the gospel is what brings salvation and that the fact that Jesus rose from the dead is critical. It's, it's a vital part of that gospel and it's an essential part of the gospel. Then he goes on further and he says, uh, later in that chapter, he says in, in, in the 12th and 14th verses, he says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? See, the Corinthian church had gone back and said, well, there wasn't really a resurrection. There were certain people that were saying that. He says, but if, if, if it's preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can you say that there is no resurrection? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. But can I tell you something? Useless faith is a faith that has no basis. And if Christ didn't rise from the dead, then you and I are not, are not going to be raised from the dead either. There is no resurrection of, of the dead. That means we become nihilists. That simply means that we believe that when you die, you die, and that's it. It's all over. There's no life hereafter. If Christ did not physically resurrect from the dead, Paul says our faith is useless. If that's the case, you may as well just see, live as you see fit. Because if Christ is not raised from the dead, he lied. He lied to his followers, and there is no really, there's really no hope in, in life. And that's kind of what the world is doing today. It's kind of saying, hey, there's nothing after death, and so just live however you want to live, and there's no consequence beyond your life on earth. But thankfully, Christ did raise from the dead. Well, I want to look at a little bit of evidence of that in a moment. But the fact that the resurrection is essential shows why people seek to attack the truth of the resurrection. You see, if they can show that the resurrection did not happen, then Christianity is useless. My hope today is that we might either be strengthened in our faith about the resurrection, the resurrection and the power of the resurrection, or perhaps there are some that will be convinced of the truth of the resurrection. I want to look at some of the fables that deny the resurrection. And uh, these, are, these fables uh, are not new. They've been around since the beginning of the actual time of the resurrection. And, and, and the first fables uh, made the rounds was uh, the stolen body fable. It's a famous, uh, people just said, well, the body was stolen. You know, the, the, the disciples came and took it and then they just perpetrated this lie. But I think we have to look at the evidence. In Matthew chapter 28, it says, while the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are, you are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while they were asleep, while we were sleeping. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and they did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews even to this very day. Now, you have to ask the question, why couldn't the disciples have stolen his body? Well, 
They couldn't have because, first of all, the Pharisees and even the Romans, the Roman authorities, took steps for this not to happen. They set a Roman seal and a Roman guard. Now, you have to understand historically what a Roman seal is. A Roman seal is something that if you break it, it's punishable by death if it's broken outside of the, the proper procedure. And then a Roman guard is 16 men. Matthew 27 says, take a guard, Pilate answered, go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure and they put a seal on the stone and posted the guard. To break a Roman seal is punishable by death. To go up against a Roman guard unit charged with making sure that the tomb was secure would have been death for anybody that had tried to attack that tomb or tried to remove the seal from the tomb. These were not ordinary men. These were Roman soldiers. None of those disciples were fighting men, I can tell you that. In fact, the second point is that they, these were cowardly and weak men, cowardly disciples. To say that these disciples that had fled and abandoned Jesus two nights before in the Garden of Gethsemane and now were hiding in a room in fear and trembling for their own lives, all of a sudden had some incredible surge of bravery to go and steal his body so that they could spread a lie that would lead to their certain death is beyond highly unlikely. And then for an entire Roman guard unit to say that they fell asleep at their post would have been, it would have meant death for them. In fact, if you study the, the history of the time, Roman guards, if, if they did fall asleep, if a, even if a guard did fall asleep, they would be burned alive in their own clothing as a punishment and as a, an example to the rest of the guard. Falling asleep on duty was one of the worst things that they could, could possibly happen to a Roman guard, and especially a cohort. All 16 men fell asleep? I think that would be highly unlikely. No Roman soldier would ever do such a thing, or at least admit to it, unless it could be counted on to save his life. And in this case, they had their backs covered. There's no evidence to support the fable that the disciples stole the body. Then we have this wrong tomb fable. And there's those that suggest that the women went to the wrong tomb. And, and again, that's not possible. That's not even feasible because they knew exactly where the tomb was. They knew exactly who owned the tomb. It was one Joseph of Arimathea. And they knew exactly where the tomb was. There, there, there weren't tombs scattered everywhere. If you, if you go to Israel, there were certain places where they had, just like today, we have cemeteries. We have burial places. And uh, back then they did too. They would bury people in caves. They would bury people in, in rocks hewn from uh, or in, in caves hewn from rock. They saw where they put Jesus. They had gone there after he had been hung on the cross. There would have been no need for the soldiers and the Pharisees to come up with the story of the stolen body had the women simply gone to the wrong tomb. So I, I think that, you know, without going into too much detail, this fable is just what it is. It's a fable. And finally, there's this he didn't really die fable. And uh, he was just sleeping or he uh, was knocked out and he kind of woke up. Uh, there are people who say that people, there are people that really believe that Jesus didn't really die, that he just merely passed out and then he got healed and got up and started walking around again. Listen, I think this, doctor did a great job today talking about these Roman executioners. That's what they did. That was their living. That's what they did for their, their job. They, they killed people. 
And they were very, very good at it, by the way. They knew about death. And if they said someone was dead, he was dead. Here's how the apostle John accounts and records Jesus' death. In John 19, 31, he says, because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus, they found that he was already dead and did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. Pilate was even surprised at Jesus' death. In Mark 15, it says, and Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he had al was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. And when he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. See, for many people, believing in the resurrection after being dead for three days is, is still a pretty big stretch. So what are the facts that support the resurrection? Well, first fact is that there's an empty tomb. That's probably the greatest claim that we have as Christians is the fact that the tomb was empty. The tomb is empty. John 20, verses 2 through 9 says, So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. So Peter said to the other disciple, the, the, excuse me, Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside and saw and believed. Still, they had not, did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had risen from the dead. We already saw that the disciples couldn't have stolen the body. The empty tomb amongst all the circumstances of it being guarded and sealed is a pretty big evidence for some kind of a supernatural event that took place. The authorities did all they could in their power to guard the tomb and the body. And the reality is that there is no power, there is no authority on earth that could ever stop God from doing what he was going to do to provide our victory over death. Jesus was raised from the dead and the empty tomb is a symbol of that victory and it's also a symbol of the eternal life that he offers you and I and, and the life that we now live. In other belief systems, the leader's dead and none of the leaders of religious organizations has come back to life to be the testator of their own will. Jesus came back to life to be the testator of his own will, to enforce the very fact of what he died for through his Holy Spirit in the lives of believers. Buddhism. Buddha lived from 563 to 483 B.C. And his tomb, you can go visit it. Islam, Muhammad, lived from 570 to 632, and you can go visit his grave. Sikhism, Guru Nanak, lived from A.D. 1469 to A.D. 15. 39, 
And you can go visit his grave. Jehovah's Witness, Charles Russell, 1852 to 1916, and he's still in the grave. Joseph Smith of the Mormon Church, 1805 to 1844, and he's still in the grave. And Scientology, L. Ron Hubbard, 1911 to 1986, and each of these leaders has a tomb, and each of their bodies is still in it. But the tomb of the Lord Jesus Christ is empty because he resurrected and is alive forevermore. Amen. Now, I want you to know something. The Jewish authorities could have ended Christianity simply by producing the dead body of Jesus. It would have been over. But they didn't because there wasn't a dead body. He's alive. And that's what we're celebrating today. That's why we're here. It's to celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive. I think the second evidence for the resurrection is the effects that it had on the lives of his disciples. You have to understand, these are guys that were running scared. They were, uh, up until they saw the resurrected Messiah. These, these guys were hiding. These guys were not brave men. And what could explain their transformation being, from being cowardly and scared to being bold and going forth and preaching everywhere that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead, that he was alive. We, we, we read it in the text today. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15. Let me read it again, verses 3 through 6. He says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of, of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And he was buried, and he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And he appeared to Peter. Then he appeared to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to the twelve. To, to every, he appeared to everybody. Amazing. See, we even see that the Pharisees took note of the courage of Peter and John after they had seen Jesus. After they had seen the resurrection of Christ, they, they preached boldly the gospel in the face of persecution. In Acts chapter 4, verse 13, it says, and when the Pharisees saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Here's the amazing thing. Every one of the apostles, except John, died for the reason of their faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Some of them, tortuous deaths. What could account for all of these men, formerly being weak, cowardly, becoming bold proclaimers of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? knowing that it would lead to their own deaths. If it really didn't happen, why would they do that? Another fact to support the resurrection is the existence of Christianity today. The very fact that it is still here. And the fact that it's thriving in many parts of the world, contrary to what the press will tell you. The church is growing. The church is growing in China. The church is growing in the Middle East. The church is growing in Africa. The only place that seems to be dying is in Europe, where they carried the gospel to everybody. And in America now, there's a waning away, a falling away from the church. And sometimes it's because of an infiltration and the lack of real power or lack of real understanding. But the very fact that Christianity exists today is a evidence of the truth of the resurrection. There are people here today 
right now in this room that have been changed. Your lives have been changed because of the power of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in your lives. And this faith has been passed down through generations by the word of God from the very first disciples. If the resurrection were not true, then I believe the church would have collapsed in the first century because it was based, it's always been based on the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. If the resurrection was not true, it would have too easily been proven false by producing the body or at least finding nobody to corroborate the story of Jesus' resurrection. But because there were so many witnesses and so many people that changed from being weak to bold, something incredible happened. There were too many appearances of the risen Christ not to believe in that first generation. Paul told Corinthians that over 500 men had seen the resurrected Christ at once. I think that would have been amazing to talk about the eyewitness testimony as the early church. Eventually, the apostles were called again before the Sanhedrin for preaching the, the gospel of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. And this is what Gamaliel had to say in Acts chapter 5. He says, but a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. And then he addressed the Sanhedrin. He said, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodos appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all of his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers scattered. Therefore, in this present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin... It will fail. But if it is from God, you will, only, you will not only be able to stop these men, but you will find yourselves fighting against God. It's amazing to me. It's the, the, the very fact that those that could have proven the resurrection false believed and were able to persuade many others who could have proven it false. I think that's what lends credence to the truth even today. There is no proof of the falsehood of a resurrection. There's only proof for it. The greatest proof for me is what I've watched over these nearly 50 years that I've walked with Christ and 44 years that I've pastored in Zimbabwe is the fact that Jesus' resurrection power continues to transform people's lives 2,022 years since his resurrection. That nobody has been able to stop Christianity and the claims of the resurrection or account for the life-changing transformations in people these past 2,022 years despite all the attempts to try to do so and the efforts with things like the lost tomb of Jesus lends great weight to me that the resurrection is true. I see it in the transformed lives of over 60,000 members in our churches that have given their lives to Christ. It's interesting that 
throughout history. What you don't see is people claiming that the tomb is not empty or that people did not claim to see the resurrected Christ or that lives were not transformed. What you do see is Jews or the Jews or other people trying to explain the fact that the re- to, try, to try to explain the resurrection away. But they can only use fables and falsehoods. It's amazing how falsehoods, once uncovered, just don't have very much power. It's kind of like all propaganda. What you see is that it didn't work then and it's not working now, today, for anybody who's really willing to be honest and sit and consider the evidence. There's a number of incredibly well-written books. One by an atheist who was a well-known reporter and he went out to prove that the Bible and that Jesus and this whole thing was a hoax and ended up converting to Christianity and his book has gone all over the world and the renown of it and, and, and the fact that he came from utter disbelief into full faith. Here's what I know. The resurrection is essential to Christianity. But beyond the resurrection being essential to living eternal life, it's also essential to living in this life. Paul says it this way, and if Christ has not been risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be more pitied than all men. There is no resurrection. If there is no resurrection, then there's no eternal life. If there's no eternal life, there's no hope for a future. Some people say, well, we just have to have a good religion so we can live good lives here, some good moral code. No, no, it's more than that. It's a, it's a lifestyle, and it leads to an eternal life. The resurrection is essential to Christianity and to our eternal life. The resur- resurrection proves who Jesus is. It proves that he is the Son of God. It proves that he is God in the flesh, and that he has defeated death, and he's won the victory over death. Romans 1, 4 says that he was, it was declared with power. He, he was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Without the resurrection, Jesus would be just another man. Another man like Muhammad or Buddha or but he would not be God. He would not be a God to be worshipped. Jesus has not been raised. Our faith is futile. The Bible says we're still in our sins. We have no hope for eternal life. But thankfully, that's not the case. The truth of the resurrection has been established and we can count on it. We have an eternity to look forward to in Christ. With him. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3 In his great mercy he has given us the new birth. A new birth. Into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The new birth the new birth being born again and a new hope are only available 
through the resurrection of the Lord from the dead. As I read earlier, Paul says that if the resurrection did not happen, then our faith is useless. Well, there's no hope. Without hope, there's no real life. And I'm not talking about wishing for something in the face of or against reality. I'm talking about a hope that is secured through Jesus. A hope that the, that the Bible speaks of as a confident expectancy. A confidence expectant and based in the truth and the realities that we experience and that we've experienced that we can see of a better life that helps us to live now, in the now, and in the future. For those of you that are older, you face retirement, knowing that you have a, ne a retirement nest egg helps you live easier without stress of what to do in the future. Knowing that our eternity is set with a resurrection that is assured and proven of by the resurrection of Jesus really helps us to live in a way now that is far better. For those who have already received Christ, well, Satan cannot take your ability or take, your, uh, take away your eternal life. He does try to take away your ability to live a full life, a full life now. He tries to create doubt. He takes away your confident expectation. He even takes away sometimes our faith that the resurrection has really occurred and that what really did occur in us when we accepted Christ. Don't let him take that away from you. Live your full life now. Today as we celebrate the resurrection, if you've received Christ as your savior, my hope is that you're really strengthened in your faith today, that you're beginning to see that we can live a better life now in the hope of eternal life. But maybe you've just happened in today and because you're you know, supposed to go to church on Easter, I guess. I mean, we have to do this as a ritual or a tradition a couple times a year. That's okay. But maybe you've never really considered the resurrection before today. Maybe it's just been something you've never really thought about. Or maybe it's some distant memory in your religious past. Well, I want you to know I'm going to offer you an opportunity to enter into the resurrected life of Jesus Christ by giving your life to him. The Bible is very clear as to how we become Christians. It's not by baptism. It's not by inheritance. God has no grandchildren. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and you confess with your mouth that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with Believing and with speaking, we come into this kingdom. It's a heartfelt belief. It's a conviction that says there is only one God. There's only one Savior. His name is Jesus. And when we do that, we're born again. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.